Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 25 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. Okay, and today is super duper special because we actually have a guest with us as well. So please welcome somehow from your homes, whatever you do, Matthew Hitch. Hi, Matt. Hello. Here's a question. Actually, I always call you Matthew because that's how you were introduced to me. Is that is that what you like to be called or is it Matt? Um, I'm fine either way, but most people call me Matt. It's just I uh, filled out my application with my full name. That's it. Once that, you do that, yeah. you commit. Yeah, and that's why it was in school, work, so I... Um, yeah, people just call me Matthew. How about like M Dog, or can we give him some sort of sweet nickname today? <laughs> <laughs> what can we do? I like M Dog. I'm gonna think about it. Right. Um, okay, so we wanted to have you here because I'm not sure how many people know. Well, maybe the geeky people know, but this uh, past Friday, May 25th, was officially Geek Pride Day. Yay! Yay! Yeah, right? Because <laughs> we're all. Do we consider ourselves geeks? Oh yeah, we work in a library. I feel like it's like a prerequisite. Oh, is that it? That's yeah. just if you're in a, if you work in a library, you're a geek. Well, well, just now when we were just doing the yays, I imagined Kermit the Frog. So that tells you my level of geekdom. <laughs> that's the that's the yay I was going for there. Oh, I was like, what the hell do you mean you imagined Kermit the Frog? Like, what does that mean? Nope. I see, like him going, yeah. Yeah, you don't know the Kermit the Frog yay? I'm like, with his double man. arms, like all like spaghetti yeah. noodly. Yeah, it's great, great. Wow. Anyway, okay. So <laughs> for people that don't know about Geek Pride Day. Uh, which, as a week ago, was me. The idea for dedicating a day to celebrating geekiness originated in Spain in 2006 when a Spanish blogger chose to coincide with the 1977 release of Star Wars. Um, so Geek Pride Day kind of spread rapidly across the Internet, and then soon it really spread across the whole world, uh, drawing attention from mainstream media. They really just—they picked the beginning of Star Wars, huh? I guess. Well, I guess that's a logical start point. I, I mean, that makes sense to to kind of start to start Geek Pride Day. In two thousand and eight, um, was the first year that it was officially celebrated in the U.S. And what I really like is I was reading about it, and that one of the events that was organized to celebrate the day in Madrid, where they had three hundred uh, geeks played a game of human Pac-Man together. So they like they yeah, that, like dressed up and did yeah it's pretty that, great that tracks that shows about they it. also have like a list of basic rights and responsibilities of geeks um, that they kind of you know keep track of so some of the things in their like manifesto is the right to not like football or any other sport and the right to not be in style. And then some of the responsibilities are to attend every geeky movie on opening night and to buy every geeky book before everybody else. Okay, that's a very specific... Uh, do, do you guys still <laughs> you still feel that you fall into this? Well, <laughs> still is you. Well, I adhere to several of those requirements. So. Okay, so there you go. Um, I, I don't fall into that. I'm, I'm quite a big sports fan, but you know... I'm not going to go with all the inclusive ones there. Well, I think that geek has definitely like changed over the years. I mean, it started off kind of like a derogatory, like that pale, skinny kid, like in his basement with you know thick glasses playing yeah, the, video games, not talking to anybody. Yeah, the highly offensive Revenge of the Nerds is exactly kind of like the, <laughs> which I just was watching bits of that movie. It's offensive in so many other ways. That's it's a, not a great yeah. movie for the Me Too <laughs> movement. I'm just gonna put out oh, there. Yeah. That's a terrible movie. A terrible movie. Like, yeah, I can't even talk about the one scene in particular near the end. But you just when it happens, you're like, wait, did I just see that correctly? Because yeah, you're it's like, not, that's not cool, man. It's like 80s acceptable 
sexual racism in there. So many things. <laughs> sexual harassment. Like, you're just like, it's hilarious back then. Oh, no, yeah, it's the, really not. The effeminate gay black dude. It's just, come on, guys. They went yeah. a little. They went a little hard back then. Yeah, we, we're, we, there will be no love for. We're, we're a little on this more podcast. learned now, but <laughs> I feel like um, at this point, people really embrace the term geek. It kind of means like to be really fascinated with a particular subject, be it video games or fantasy literature, um, and on and on. You know, you're just you're or, all knowing about that. Yeah, just like being passionate about like any particular like book, series, movie, topic. You know, anything like that. It used to just be kind of like video games and stuff like that but it's kind of branched out a little bit where that is a big part of it still but that's not definitely sci-fi well which is why matthew that we really wanted you here today um i feel like one of the leading things i mean obviously this geek pride day was started to coincide with the release of star wars i feel that you have an affinity for star wars is that correct i do and um our listeners can't see this, but I coincidentally oh, was wearing right. my 1977 Star Wars shirt today. Um, That's a good-looking shirt. Yeah. Nice I, color scheme. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, is a so how often thing. how often do you watch it, or do you collect things? How deep do you go? Um, how often do I watch it? I couldn't even say. It's sometimes I'll just throw in a Star Wars VHS just to have it on in the background. Oh, I'm sorry. It has to be. It has to be VHS. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you have the VHS copy um, speaks volumes, I think. Um, I collect VHS, and I also have uh, the original uh, theatrical releases of Star Wars on VHS before they were edited by George Lucas and oh, so that added all the... Um, Hayden Christensen's like at the end now as Darth <laughs> Vader, right? And correct. the newer ones. You yeah. better, better hold on to those, man. Those are going to be valuable. I don't think you can get those anymore. You can't. Um, they're hard to come by. I mean, you can buy them off eBay or whatever. Um, I usually... I have the other versions too, the edited versions. To be honest, I play those most often just because I'm afraid that my old ones will be eaten because they're VHS tapes. Right. So, I didn't um, even know you could get VCRs anymore. <laughs> Matthew's house is a museum. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. one of those old like Mad Max movies that's just cobbled together from parts of other machines. There's like, yeah. <laughs> a, 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 blender, like a blender. Yeah, yeah. blender motor is keeping <laughs> the thing running. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I watch it very frequently. I'd say, I don't know. Maybe at least once every two weeks, I'll put in one of them. Sometimes. Wow, really? Every yeah, two weeks—that's um, a lot, man. I thought I, mean, I was—I watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy like once a year, and I feel like that's a commitment. But this is—that's a lot. Well, like I said, sometimes it's—I'll be like cleaning my room, and I just have it in the background. It's kind of like listening to a record to me, just hearing the dialogue, yeah. and the music in the background. So, do you collect other Star Wars things besides the all the? Oh, movie yeah. Movie versions? Yeah. Um, specifically the Kenner uh, Star Wars toys that were from the original trilogy that started in 1977 to 85. I um, I grew up in the 80s, so I kind of grew up at a time when these toys were massive. It was yeah. one of the, I don't know, maybe one of the largest um, collectible toys of its time. The men came out in... Uh, three three-quarter inch size so that they could accommodate play sets and spaceships and things like that which was kind of unheard of at the time there were the large 12 inch gi joe action figures but they didn't really they were so big they couldn't are, are these like a, figures is this your retirement account right here like are <laughs> you are you selling these at one point and that's um 
I don't have any intention to sell them. I but guess. are they are they worth something at this point? Yeah, yeah, they're definitely um, a lot of them. Some are worth more than others. There's um, variations like the uh, first farm boy, Luke Skywalker. You can get him with blonde hair <laughs> or brown hair. The brown hair is harder to come by. It's telescoping lightsaber that came with the very, very first Luke Skywalker. Those are those go for a lot of money. Um, Did you get the uh, the empty box too? Do you have one of those? The early bird playsets. Yeah. I did not. So. I, don't, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. It's so, I'm fascinated. So before the Star Wars toys came out, the um, ones he's talking about, they didn't. They weren't able to get them done by the time for Christmas that year. So in, they kind of set like a quote unquote IOU. So you could buy an empty box. <laughs> and then they'll send you the toy later. Yeah, it was like a, it was a picture of all the toys. What, and what, like, what you, kid doesn't want an empty <laughs> box for Christmas? Yeah, they're like, yeah. you can Nailed get it. these now. You in a couple of months, you can totally have all of these toys. But for now, here's this here's this empty box, and it was a huge seller, still a big collector's item. So, so what you do oh, have yeah. that, or you don't have that? I don't. I have all the figures that came with okay. that, the first four. Um, the ones that was, were actual things and yeah. not yeah. not air. Months okay. later. Months yeah. I do, I am really enjoying, like, so was there at any point in your kind of collecting of this, did you feel any sort of geek shame or were you already just like, I'm fully embracing? I did um, for a long time, uh, to be honest, like my entire 20s, I felt somewhat embarrassed. I had all these toys since I was a kid and then um, I would start buying more later off eBay. Um, and uh, like girlfriends I had or, or was inspiring <laughs> to have the I just thought I felt like I'm a grown man and I'm have all these toys that sure. I passionately care about and it's not like they're stored away either like I will break they're them out. out and play with them it really is the it like um a 40 year old virgin it Do you is remember Steve Carl's yes. house yeah. yeah like just full of the toys yeah so I I was embarrassed to even tell girls that I like Star Wars. I feel it's like more acceptable now. It seems cool to like it. But yeah, totally. Once Target starts selling like a t-shirt of it, yeah. it's mainstream. There's yeah, no. Once it makes the graphic tee section, you know you're, you're in yeah. good hands at that point. Yeah. You know, it makes me think, I read this quote, um, you guys know the actor Simon Pegg? Of course. Yes. Yeah, he's the best. But he had once said that being a geek is extremely liberating and that it's basically a license to proudly emote on a somewhat childish level rather than behave like a supposed adult. And who doesn't want that? Yeah, he pretty much yeah. summed it up there, yeah. Yeah, so um, we will definitely talk more about it, other things that you collect, Matthew. But if for people out there, if you're bummed out that you missed uh, Geek Pride Day um, and you want to celebrate, the library is here to help you. Yeah, it turns out books, it's our kind of our forte, folks. And so, so <laughs> many, so many movies that fit into this. So, you know, start inviting people over and you can have either rewatch Star Wars for the umpteenth time or whatever. Knock out a Lord of the Rings marathon. Not the Hobbit, because let's be honest, nobody wants to watch the Hobbit. We didn't we didn't love the Hobbit. Um, I mean, play some Dungeons and Dragons. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. With your limited edition trading cards, I have I have no what I'm saying at all, but I assume that that's part of it. <laughs> I guess if we're gonna be you know topical, you just get your friends together, hop on Fortnite and just have a or PUBG and just kind of waste an entire night rocking out on those. Sure, those were words. Those yeah. were words, <laughs> but so I don't know what they mean. <laughs> those video games are big, biggest game games in the world right now. Just battle royale. It's just you, and the whole point is you just have to beat everybody else, and that's all you got to do. 
You die. Isn't that the purpose of all games is to beat? Yeah, but it's like before video games would give you lives. Like, you know, you could get hit a couple of times and you would respawn and start again. These games are just you die once, you're dead, and you have to start in a new game. Oh. So it's like. Well, they, that sounds mean. Yeah, they drop 99 people. It's basically like that movie Battle Royale or Hunger Games. They just drop you on an island, and then it's up to you with nothing. You don't have anything to start. And it's just up to you to find a way to kill everybody else on this island or be the last one standing. That's harsh. They are super fun. You know, speaking of video games, which I cannot speak on a lot because I don't play them, but I feel like, you know, the beginning of geek culture, those sorts of games um, I still really love, like the Space Invaders, Pac-Man, Tetris, even like Super Mario. Did you guys, are you fans of those? Have you played those? I like Super Mario. Like the Mario games have always been fun. Tetris and like, um, the other ones, I I like them, but like they're not really my cup of tea. A little before my time. Something tells me, Matthew, you could actually have like the uh, arcade console, like one of those big <laughs> machines in your house. It would not surprise me. Um, I would love to have one of those <laughs> machines in my house. Um, one of my friends does have uh, Terminator Two, like stand up arcade. Oh, so that's house. awesome. Um, that's a great. That's a fun arcade game, right? Yeah, there. it really yeah. is. But um, for myself, I don't really play new video games, but I really love the old Atari games, and I have these little consoles that were being made in the early 2000s, I think. You just plug it into the front of your TV. Um, I have two of them. Like One has Frogger, Ms. Pac-Man, Galaga, Space Invaders, Pole Position, all those games, and um, I never really got into new games but i just have a nostalgia for those so i play those quite often um i think like most things things that you loved when you're a kid just kind of stick with you yeah you know throughout um, time yeah. what about game wise what about like some of the the board games like uh, the worlds that i don't understand but world of warcraft is that a board game world of warcraft the mmo that's the online one. Oh, that's like the computer game yeah. okay you're thinking for like board games i want to dungeons say and dragons Dun- is, that's uh, like a you all sit around you roll a 12-sided die? Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons and proud. Warhammer, which both have like a lot of books and uh, you know movies and stuff yeah. attached to them. Those are like the big board games as far or as far as I remember. Either of you play them? I don't play them. I don't. Too often. I I really want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like it looks cool to me, but I feel like at this point in my life, if I wanted to find a group to start, they'd be like. 12 <laughs> I'd be a creep <laughs> they'd be so. 12 or they'd be like 30 and awesome at it and you're just like I can't just jump I into think this I'm dude. a mage and they're like you're dead <laughs> or I don't I don't exactly know um I, like I yeah you just like it, it makes me go back to Parks and Rec thinking of like Ben Wyatt and like that's kind of like the ideal if you want to be a geek that's oh Cones of Dunshire <laughs> yeah well you know that makes me really think of is the board game that I do love and play with the family a lot is uh, Settlers of Catan I want to learn how to play that but I have absolutely no idea how to it's super awesome and it's not like as difficult as you think granted we had to watch a video that had 99 slides to like really get the <laughs> rules but okay. um, that's a really great game so And there's like recently I went to Toronto and they have like a cafe that's all board games and you just sit around and like eat snacks and drink tea and play like a million weird strategic board games and it was the best. They also have a barcade up there where it's like a bar slash arcade. Sounds awesome too. Go one of those are becoming increasingly popular. I feel like Buffalo's getting one soon, but don't quote me. Are we? We're getting. I think we just got a cat cafe. So (laughs) we definitely (laughs) got a nerd in me. Maybe not geek. The nerd in me that just wants to sit around and hang out with cats all day. So we have definitely talked about. I think a lot of the movies that fall into this that people could pick up if they did want to celebrate Geek Pride Day. But what are some of like our favorites? So obviously I'm going to say for me, top of the chain, Lord of the Rings. That trilogy is still course. the greatest thing that's ever happened. 
and you know never be embarrassed to love that but I don't in like the Harry Potter world that's a huge world for me too but do either of you watch Star Trek or Doctor Who no I don't really watch Star Trek or Doctor Who I feel like Doctor Who by this point it's like 30 years of backstory man I, I, I can't jump into that That's but it's a new doctor all the time isn't it doesn't it kind of start over yeah. no it doesn't start over it's all it all counts it all oh. happened again so it's all like you need to know that stuff like they're even getting uh, uppity now because uh, they had like uh, the enough regenerations or something. I don't again words that have <laughs> no meaning. I like watching the original Star Trek from the '60s and the. Of course 70s. you do, Matthew. Why am I not <laughs> surprised by that? <laughs> but I never really got into the later episodes. Like I'd watch them if they were on TV, but. Um, I will uh, rent from the library the original Star Trek and take them home and watch Are, are there other shows, like anything random and old that you've kind of found and fallen in love with? Um, I grew up watching uh, reruns of like uh, Mary Tyler Moore and the Monkees and stuff, and I recently found out that the library has all of these oh, um, yeah. episodes. and. The monkeys, I love them so much. Really? So I, oh my God, it's like That's amazing. one of my favorites. So um, I'm... I would venture to guess I'm one of the only people that checks that out. <laughs> but Hopefully I, someone will email us and be like, that's my favorite too. Yeah, but. I love watching the monkeys. Um, I like old uh, 60s, 70s television shows, so I can usually get into any of those that I find here. Um, okay. What other sort of movies and stuff do we think would fill? I mean, we've talked a lot about Labyrinth, Dark Crystal. I feel like those things really fall in. What are we missing? Well, like, okay, so the big, the biggest show on TV right now, believe it or not, is Rick and Morty. So the people who watch that show, I feel like, definitely have their geek cred, if maybe to a little bit too much of a degree at this point. People are obsessed. You know, for a really long time, I won't lie, I thought Adventure Time and Rick and Morty were the same thing. I, I, <laughs> I did, too. I got them confused all the time. I did not know. They just got renewed for a 70-episode order which oh, wow. is wow. ridiculous i have to watch it i don't know anything about it it's fine it's i don't it, either i watched adventure time quite a bit but i don't know i watched one episode and i was like it's not for me anymore <laughs> this is like there's too much jumping in color although side note um i did see that matt uh graining has a new show coming to netflix like a new cartoon where yeah. all the characters kind of look like simpsons but they're not well, it's he's got his own style but yeah, yeah i saw that too i'm like that should be interesting yeah that Net looks netflix has been doing some good stuff they have uh speaking of geek stuff they have the castlevania tv series on that network of course stranger things stranger which i wish things. would be released on dvd so that the library could buy it i can't believe they haven't done that yet they though. just won't do it they're waiting they're waiting for all five seasons i guess yeah uh, as per the rumors. But, you know, I guess, you know, what's another one is um, you mentioned uh, Labyrinth, which is David Bowie. Sure. So then it goes back, it connects back to the Warcraft movie, which, you know, that has its whole production history to it. But it's a movie that I actually quite enjoy. Like, that movie did not do well, correct? Oh, it did awful. Okay. Like nobody, nobody <laughs> went to go see it. Yeah. But it's directed by Duncan Jones, who's David Bowie's son. So it was oh. kind of like a fun, it was a good movie. I don't understand why people didn't like it. Like, if you're like that kind of movie. I mean, if you go in to watch World of Warcraft, I think you have to be of a certain mindset. You can't be oh. expecting, like, Gladiator. You have to, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, if you, that's what you expected. They they delivered on all fronts. It's a fun little, it's a fun little uh, movie. So that's one to go check out. Okay. All right. That's great. So, um... Moving on from movies, I wanted to to just kind of go back to the whole culture of it, Matthew. You know, in the in the in the times that we've talked, are there other things that you adamantly collect that we should know about? Um, the 
kind of unfortunately I collect everything like books um, VHS kitsch stuff <laughs> but I guess like Star Wars obviously but probably a thing I spend most time and money on is records like vinyl records I have probably I don't I haven't counted but I'm guessing like a couple thousand LPs and a couple thousand 45s a couple thousand of yeah. each yeah and so there might be like four thousand vinyl circles in your home at this moment yeah and I tend to move a lot and I oh no <laughs> books and <laughs> records the they're like the heaviest thing to move yep. um, I might as well be collecting rocks but um anyway yeah like records they've sort of been making a comeback I guess recently I feel know. like they made a comeback and now they're almost on their way out I've heard that CDs are the new thing that people are collecting again yeah I don't know like I inherited my dad's record collection and just kind of built off from that um and like records I like say like um the clash for instance I won't just buy like the clash album I want the 1977 CBS <laughs> clash album as opposed to the 1977 epic Clash album. Oh my. Because the CBS is a UK label, the Clash are a UK band. The Epic is an American label. But they each have a different song on them. Like the uh -huh. American version has a different has um Clash City Rockers and um the UK version has Protex Blue. So in actuality, I have both. But if I had to choose, I would only get the But UK I like all that. And then you're like, but I, I have both. I have like <laughs> the giant eyes right now looking yeah. at him like, what? I think you just outed yourself a little bit as a record geek there, man, which is not, not a bad thing at <laughs> I all. I think, Matthew, you fall into a lot of the geek categories. I like it. Here's, yeah. a, here's a serious question, though. In your collecting, have you collected a savings account at all? Because I feel like you must be just <laughs> broke with all this stuff. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes. uh, minimal. Uh, That's fine. They're boring anyway. Yeah. What do they do? They just sit there. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets ridiculous. Like the Rolling Stones, for instance, they have so many albums on their own. Yeah. And then I have like mono and stereo pressings of each of them. Then but like, can I ask why? Well, they have um, a different sound to them. Mono, as you know, is... Like, sure, speaker to speaker, yeah. Yeah, and then... So I like to hear the different sound, especially on their later albums, because they started to experiment more with different instruments. So it's kind of neat to hear. Um, here's, a, here's a question. I'm just going to play like jerky devil's advocate <laughs> because I give um, my husband a hard time about collecting records is, do you ever look at them and think there's actually no humanly possible way that you can even listen to all of those before you die? Like there are just a bunch that you're going to own that you are never going to hear again. I actually... Um, was watching a documentary about records and somebody had bought a nitty gritty, which is a record cleaning machine. It's like five hundred dollars, they're kind of expensive. But anyway, he was playing every single record in his collection and cleaning it. And I that's what it got me thinking, like I don't have time in my life no. to actually do that, play every single record. And then there's some that I just feel they are um historically important they've made like an impact in music culture and i don't even like the band and but you i just still have get it, it because i feel like it was an important record like wow that is carol king tapestry hey don't don't if you're about to throw shade <laughs> at tapestry i will not accept that because that record is amazing it does have some good songs on it but i will probably never actually play it but sure. i feel 
Carol King was an important person. She was a writer in the Brill Buildings prior to going solo. She did all these hits like for Motown and stuff that nobody knows about. I feel like, too, it kind of becomes where I had to tell myself with books because I had so many books um, and a lot of unread ones on the shelf where instead of just being the object like this is meant to be read or this is meant to be listened to, they become like an art piece. And they're like, well, when you buy a piece of art to put in your house, it serves no other purpose but for you to see it and find enjoyment in that, which I think is what the collecting sort of becomes. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. Just heavy art (laughs) that you have to carry. Exactly. I'm the same way with books as well. I have some massive amounts of books. I I um, very strongly believe that you have massive amounts of everything at this point. (laughs) I I really, we would like a field trip of your house to kind of see what's going on there. I mean, the garage sales, thrift stores and stuff that I'm like a junk rat. That draws you in. Uh, Also, I think a ton of people don't know that the library is full of vinyl records that people can check out. Yeah, they're, they're hiding on the tier. I kind of forgot about them for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, you, a whole bunch you can go into the Grosvenor Room, and there is a card catalog that you can kind of search the old school way. There is a lot of really great stuff down there. Um, I used to go down there a lot and check stuff out, so uh, come in and do that. All right, as always, as every single episode, <laughs> running out of time. Shocker, shocker. Um, so I do really want to talk about some books that kind of fit into Geek Pride Day that people you know who are into that might really enjoy or if it's something that they they kind of want to get into these are the books to check out so i'm going to jump into a couple and then we can kind of we can just you know discuss do do what we got in our limited time i think an important one is called empire of imagination it's by michael witwer and it is a biography of the Dungeons and Dragons co-creator uh gary gygax okay and so it not only tells the tale of like him being a marvelous wizard, but also kind of explores the profound impact that D&D has had on popular culture, gaming, and, um, you know, geek life. So it's definitely worth kind of checking out because it's not just, there are so many people playing it, it's really, you know, its own universe. It's it's a whole scene at this point. Absolutely. So what else should people be reading? Well, I think the obvious one again, uh, Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. Just that had was a, so good. Yeah, so good, such a good book. Had the movie was pretty good too. So it just I haven't had seen a, it yet. Had a big budget Spielberg movie come out for it. I'm sure there's going to be a it's, sequel. It's in the library to put your holds on at least. You can put your holds on. Oh, for sure, and you can you can get the book now. Um, I guess our, we can mention Armada as well. His follow up to uh, Ready Player One, which I have not read, but people I did say not. It's, I did it's not okay. enjoy it. You didn't like it at all. <laughs> Is it a little too similar to the other one? I don't know. I it's just. Anything. But definitely go but check I, out. But I reread Ready Player One afterwards to just kind of remind myself that he's great. Yeah, go check out. Have you out. read that, Matthew? No, I have not. What? Get on it. <laughs> well, there you go. That's your suggestion right there. Ready yeah. Player One. How about for you? Anything, Matthew, we should be reading? Um, I particularly like uh, books on subcultures. Um, I recently just uh, checked out from the, the stacks. We have a first print edition of Richard Price's The, the Wanderers. Um, which I thought it's about uh, gangs in New York City like in the 1950s okay so and it has a lot to do with music that's kind of what made me drawn to the to the book it's um, the wonders is like a uh, um, a Belmont song so anyway I just recently checked that out um, and uh, which I was trying to buy as well and it's like of course you were. $300. That's no one questions First that. print book of that. <laughs> right. Um, and then a lot of times on my breaks here, I just peruse the music section, um, the MLs. I, like, read a lot of music books. Um, 
I'm obviously a music geek. Um, oh, right. Did we know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Had, had no a, idea. No. A little, a little bit of that. Um, okay. I think so. I think another big part of the of the whole kind of geek culture is definitely computers. I mean, I know a lot of the gaming takes place, but there's this book called Microsurfs by Douglas Coupland. Uh, and the Microsurfs, it's about these six code crunching computer whizzes who spend like 16 hours a day coding. And I loved where it describes that they eat flat foods, which <laughs> is foods like craft singles that can be passed underneath closed doors <laughs> because they're just <laughs> in there, you know, doing it. Um, and, you know, it's kind of about this chance for them to become innovators instead of just cogs in the kind of Microsoft machine. And so it's about them kind of striking out on their own and just living together in like this, you know, flop house as they desperately try to cultivate, you know, well-rounded lives as well as working with the computers, find love um, in this kind of crazy world. So that is that's a great book to, to check out, especially if you're into computers or want to be. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and recommend, um, for in terms of geek personalities, uh, Felicia Day. Uh, she's a big Big, big on the geek community. If you, if you I can't think who that is. Well, it's not surprising. She had a couple like big YouTube shows, and she usually shows up on all the. If they have like a geek comment on TV, she's one of the persons they call to. But she wrote a book. You're never weird on the internet, almost. <laughs> yeah, that's a good title. <laughs> yeah, so she kind of goes about how you should just be, ex how everybody online can be accepted, and how you should just you know be comfortable with yourself. Don't let other people get you down about stuff that you like, and you know it's still a funny, engaging thing. So. Check out uh, the Felicia Day book. It's really true. We do really want to stress that, you know, there's no judgment here. We all love our weird things and we love them to death. So I think it's it's definitely a, a good way to be. Um, what else we got? Anybody got anything? Um, one of our colleagues upstairs, Brian, was just reading a, a book that I've read three times. Actually, it's uh, called Please Kill Me. It's by Legs McNeil. It's an oral history of the New York underground music scene in the 1970s okay um, he does love books like that <laughs> yeah um and i think we have like four or five copies of that within the system it seems like the bible for punk music or the beginnings of it anyway which is funny because punk was kind of its own you know not i'm not going to say geek but a certain group of people that maybe looked down upon that really loved it and then that really changed too i think it was sort of geeky i mean at the time that it was emerging it was uh a lot of bands like Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones were popular, and they were just giants. Like, you yeah. couldn't get anywhere near them. Um, they played on these massive arenas. And then, like, all these bands, like, the Talking Heads were considered, like, an early punk band from New York, and they're, they're the geeks. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and they, they're playing these small clubs. Uh, you know, they're hanging out in the audience having a beer, and then it's their turn to play, and they go up there and play, and then they go back down and watch the other bands play. Yeah, that was it kind of really brought it back to um, its grassroots levels, I think. Okay, yeah. I like I like talking to Matthew. I like the way <laughs> his, his mind works. So I'm going to throw a quick couple of quick ones out. Um, obviously, you need to be reading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Of course. You need to read Dune. Yeah. Um, Dune <laughs> is, is actually very good, but you need to read Neuromancer. You got to get some William Gibson in if you're planning on getting yeah. into geek culture. Got to get your Ender's Game going. You got to get Ender's card. Game. Um, you need to read some sort of Neil Stevenson, like Snow Crash. He's got a bunch of kind of impenetrable books, I feel, but people <laughs> do really love him. 
Um, and I think we might have mentioned this one before, but that's uh, that book, Super Mario, How Nintendo Conquered America. Yes, the um, console wars, too. Like, the both of those are, like, the ones about Nintendo taking over, and then console wars is the Sega versus Nintendo uh, Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's always very interesting kind of, like, how it came to be. Um, also, how these kind of these games that made so much money, but the people that created the games really didn't. It, they just, like, that was just them doing their job. And then it was like, you did your job. You get no credit. You get no bonus. You get no anything. You did a job, even though this thing just made like $180 million in its first year, which is like what Donkey Kong did. Well, it's like the guy who created Tetris. He was like a Russian scientist, and it was um, funded by the Russian government. So, like, he created the biggest game in history, and he does get no credit, no money, no anything for it. It hurts. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of like nobody owns the IP on that one. So All that, right. Uh, so it happened with um, Superman, too. Like, the creators of Superman um, – DC took it over and the creators got no rights and now like Superman's one of the most well-known superheroes and I think in the like 80s they DC settled with Joe Schuster and I forget the other Siegel and Schuster yeah Siegel and Schuster settled and they got some like uh, monetary settlement out of it but it's nothing compared to what DC's getting off Superman, like toys, movies, comic books, and figures, everything. That's always yeah. happening. I'm glad that you brought that up, though, because we'd be remiss if we didn't mention comics. Huge part of kind of geek, geek culture. So what's yeah, some of our favorites here? Oh, the, well, in terms of comics, it pretty much is the be-all, end-all is Alan Moore. That's the, the biggest comic book in terms of geek fans. Uh, sure. We're going to get into him in our comic book episode, but he wrote things like Watchmen, V for Vendetta, the whole RoboCop series, uh, Dark Knight Returns. This was all him, and these are all I stuff that are... I love yeah. Watchmen. Stuff that's been adapted. Watchmen's got a new TV series coming on HBO, so look for that. I hope because I didn't think the movie was great, but uh, I feel like there are a few comics that win the Hugo Award, the movie's, which Watchmen did. The movie's better now. It is better now if you rewatch it. I will say that for it. I didn't like it when it came out, but it's better now. So Okay. I'm actually really excited now that we're talking about this. Let's make our next episode about... Graphic novels and comics. Love it. Let's yes. do that. Super pumped. All right. Well, sadly, we're out of time. Matthew, we're so pumped that you were here. <laughs> Thank this you was for great. Me. I also, we need to like go to lunch and I need to talk so much more about what goes on in your brain and in your household sure. because I'm all about it. So um, I do like to end on some interesting facts that you might not know. I have three of them to really kind of fit into this. So number one, did you guys know, Matthew probably did, that Yoda was almost played by a monkey? I did know that. Of course, I was going to say. <laughs> I did not know that. So yeah, according to the book, uh, The Making of Star Wars, George Lucas originally planned for Yoda to be played by an adorable monkey wearing a mask and carrying a cane. So, I know, it's probably good they changed that. And then that Sean Connery read for the role of Gandalf. That I did know. Yes, and that he is quoted as saying, I never understood it. I read the book. I read the script. I saw the movie. I still don't understand it. <laughs> so he said he'd be interested in doing something that he didn't fully understand, but not for 18 months. And then my last one is so pac-man which is my favorite game but although pac-man doesn't really have an ending in the game there is an integer overflow that makes the 256th level impossible to clear so that means that if every dot and power pellet and fruit and ghost and whatever is consumed on each of the 255 levels the maximum possible score is 3,333,360 points and that legendary video game champion Billy Mitchell was the first player to reach that perfect Pac-Man score. Not, not anymore. 
got his, what? He got his records expunged because they cut, said he cheated. I didn't know that, oh, really? Oh, there's a whole controversy about it right now. They're like up doing another King of Kong because, yeah, they stripped all his records, and now Steve Weeby is the dunk, or is the champion of what? Patrick, so. More oh. on that to follow. Controversy. <laughs> Jacob with the info. Okay, you guys, as always, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.